Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's marketing show. Liz Gray, we are so excited to have you. You're no stranger to our podcast. Liz is a faculty member of the prestigious Fanshawe College here in London, Ontario, Canada, where we are from, and has been part of the faculty for over 23 years, which is hard to believe, Liz, given you only look 35. Uh, Liz has developed and taught the postgraduate uh, course in Google Analytics and SEM and all that good stuff. And today we're going to talk about GA4. And we're going to get Liz's expertise on what's good, maybe what's bad, and how it compares to its predecessor, UA. But to, today's for, uh, format is going to be a little bit different. Liz is going to do it in true professor style, and we don't think there's anyone better than you to do Will that. Will there be Liz. a uh, test at the end of this thing, Melissa? I just oh, there to, could be. If there I could be on my cell phone like a typical student. Yeah, there could be. And also, Rick, you sit on the advisory board there, and I know you, uh, you're exposed to a lot of the great profs there, and so hence why we're honored to have Liz Gray with us today. Well, Liz, welcome. You know, Liz, thanks for coming on. If you're a Fanshawe graduate watching right now, the hundreds, if you're in the thousands, I'm sure, uh, if there's one prof they rave about in there, Liz, you know it's you. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully you're handling all this butter well on the front end and better be good, by the way. <laughs> I'm teasing you. But Liz is well thought of by the students, uh, the business community as well. Uh, Liz takes on uh, projects with local businesses that they integrate the students and all those great things. But really good to see you today. And, you know, in, in Liz, we were talking before the show, I sit on the advisory council, which is a great, you know, venue for me to get visibility into what you folks are doing and what the students are thinking and share kind of what's working as a practitioner. And from my lens anyway, I highly doubt there's any college, uh, community college right now that's really on the forefront of this, this Google Analytics 4 model that's coming fast and hard. And so few people, I'll tell you, Liz, business owners, marketing leaders are really respecting or aware of what's coming, which is why we wanted to have you on today. So thanks so much for joining us on this hot topic. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And, you know, as you said, community colleges are all about uh, teaching students to do. We just we don't talk about analytics. We do analytics. And so it's uh, really a pleasure for me to be here today and share that uh, with your audience, too. Google Analytics 4, if you've had any exposure to it, you will know uh, represents a very monumental shift from the old analytics platform that you have come to know and love, not only from a user interface perspective, but also from a metrics perspective. Things that you have become accustomed to analyzing, like bounce rate, are now gone from the um, uh, dashboard. Uh, doesn't mean that you can't get some of this stuff back, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, but uh, at first glance, um, for those of you that are migrating over and you know that you have to migrate over, there is no choice. Google has announced that it will sunset uh, Universal Analytics, which is GA3, the old version of analytics, um, by June of 2023. So you will no longer be able to collect data in that interface. In addition to that, your historical data in Universal Analytics uh, will only last for six months past that date. Then the whole kit and caboodle will be done. And so what uh, we're recommending and certainly what we're seeing in industry is a, a double deployment of both um, analytics platforms. So for those of you that are using the old uh, analytics, leave it there, keep it on your website, but simultaneously deploy GA4 so that you begin to amass data 
because you don't want no historical data by the time that you are forced to flip over uh, in less than a year from now. You want to become um, comfortable with the platform. You want to know how to use it and know how to build those custom reports that are going to answer the questions that you have about your web data. Um, and uh, so, so you can use the next eight months to become familiar and comfortable with it while still being able to jump back over into the old uh, version that you love. Um, so, so that's what we're recommending. Um, I'm going to flip over to a deck now um, just to guide the conversation. Yeah, but no, we'll be. Hey, Liz, if you flip yeah. over the deck, I just want to let the, the audience know that, you know, the path we've asked Liz to speak to today is really what is this GA4 thing? Mm -hmm. And so if you're sitting on HubSpot or you've got some other platform you're using, um, you know, Google Analytics is the de facto standard that a lot of clients use just to measure their website activity, conversions, bounce rates, some of the analytics that, you know, KPIs our team look at. So we asked Liz to talk today, hey, what should people like? What is GA4? What's the difference uh, versus, you know, the current Google Analytics versus GA4? And candidly, what does Liz see as a plus or a minus that you should be aware of as a business or marketing leader? So that's kind of where we're going today. Awesome. Great. Okay, so the first thing that Rick wanted me to talk about is the why, because certainly when you compare the platforms from a user experience perspective, that's the first question that you're going to ask yourself. Why, why, why the switch? <laughs> and the switch um, really comes down to privacy. And you may have read about it in the press that there's a, a lot of uh, hullabaloo uh, related to cookies, and rightfully so, because cookies are small data files that are written to your browser that enable um, you to be followed. And there's two types of cookies um, that you need to be aware of. The first uh, kind is called a first party cookie. And a first party cookie is written to your browser by the website that you are visiting. So as an example, let me just flip over to my Amazon account. And I'm embarrassed to show you how many things are sitting in my cart right now <laughs> and how many things are being delivered to my porch probably as we speak. I like but that vest. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> but we, you know, there's there's a lot to love about cookies because cookies are what allow Amazon to remember me every time I come back to their website. It's what it's what Amazon it's what allows Amazon to to show me, hey Liz, do you remember over the last 30 days you've accumulated 15 items in your cart that you might like to consider uh purchasing. It uh, shows me my purchase history and recommends um items based on what I bought before. And I love that because it's very personalized and I don't need to recreate my experience myself. It's what personalized, personalizes my experience on Chef's Plate. I'm a, I'm a Chef's Plate lover. And every time I go to the website, they remember me um, and tell me what I need to order and what weeks are coming up and what's going to be on the menu and so forth. So there's an awful lot to love about cookies, but understand that first party cookies are those that are written by Chef's Plate when I'm on the Chef's Plate website or by Amazon when I'm on the Amazon website. They are written by the website to your browser to remember you and used by that website only. People don't generally have a problem with those types of cookies. It's the other type of cookies that people have a, have a problem with and an increasingly growing problem with. And those are 
third-party cookies. And third-party cookies do this. So I might be on Chef's Plate and Chef's Plate writes a third-party cookie to my browser being Chrome, I'm using Google Chrome right now, they write a third-party cookie to my browser, which then allows me to be followed on other sites. So now I'm over on the London Free Press site, reading information on the Free Press, clicking on different things, consuming content. Oh, and then I flip over to homesandgardens.com and I'm taking a look at different content and oh, they can see that I'm browsing lots of information about gardening and I'm particularly interested in hydrangeas and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden this digital profile of Liz Gray is being created so that they can understand who I am and they can understand how I behave off of their site, but also on their site Mm -hmm. so that they can go out and find similar Liz Grays out there to market to. So for example, if they know I spend a lot of money on chef's plate and I really like pasta dishes, um, but I'm also really interested in hydrangeas and I really like political news, then that creates this profile that they can then use to find me online and market more pasta dishes to me, but also find similar Liz Grays that also like hydrangeas and political news to sell pasta dishes to do. So that's a, that's a third party cookie. And, and, and people have a problem with that because you're following me, you're developing this profile of me. And I don't care how anonymous you say it is. It's still freaking me out because I'm still seeing the same ads over and over and over again, regardless of where I go. So I know you must be watching me, right? Mm-hmm. So Google, there's a lot of controversy related to these third-party cookies and browsers are beginning to now block them. And Google has come out, they've delayed it by a year now, but Google has now said 2024, we will no longer on Chrome allow third-party cookies to be written. And so that has created a lot of um, uh, anxiety in the digital marketing world because we rely on third-party cookies to develop really highly pinpoint targeted advertising um, that will drive the highest return on investment because we're seeking people that we know will purchase on our website. Mm -hmm. And so the problem, you know, how does that relate back to our um, analytics discussion is that universal analytics um, rely, like, and when I say universal analytics, I mean your version of analytics, GA3, the current version. Um, Some features rely heavily on third-party cookies because the analytics platform allows you to use your web data to create these audiences. And these audiences, the Liz Gray audience, can be imported into advertising platforms like the Google Ads platform that allows you to go out and find similar Liz Grays. And so Google recognized, hey, we are moving towards a cookie-less future. And and every single one of our products, including Google Chrome, which will no longer accept third-party cookies, needs to adapt to these new uh, privacy demands. Customers are no longer accepting of these kinds of tracking mechanisms that we have all come to know and and love. And therefore, it was really out of necessity that a new analytics uh, platform needed to be built that didn't use third-party cookies and has the ability to not rely on cookies at all, potentially in the future. Although GA4 does use first-party cookies. And and I told you why we don't really have a problem with them. And we love them because it's what allows our carts to be maintained. 
And so that's the why. So if you're in the interface thinking to yourself, oh, Google just for fun wanted to change the, the platform. No, it, it, there was a very legitimate reason. And in my opinion, and 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 I'm, I'm sort of just guessing here, but in my opinion, Google has been so laser focused on the technicalities of this monumental shift that they haven't taken a step back to really um, un- understand that they have the user interface needs a lot of work. I think that's probably step two in their plan. Um, and so I think it what frustrates you about the platform, and we'll talk about some of those things that are frustrating. I think don't worry, sit tight. They will be fixed over time as the noise begins to get louder online. Um, but for now, Google is just focused on this like monumental shift from a technical perspective that had that had to be made. And so the second thing that um, Rick and Melissa wanted me to talk about is um, like the data collection difference. And so I just wanted to talk about that quickly because it does have important implications for, for the understanding of the platform. And we have to understand the difference between a hit-based platform, which is the current version of analytics, and an event-based platform. And so it, it has always been possible to track events in analytics but not by default. It is now done for you by default. And I'm gonna show you an example of what an event is. And so we're just gonna use Riverbend Windows, their website as, as an example. The call to action on this website is to book a consultation. I can't buy windows and doors on the website. There is no traditional like purchase conversion like there is on the Amazon website. They just want me to fill in this form. But I want you to watch the URL up here um, because the the URL is what's going to tell what's going to sort of tell you the difference between a, a hit and an event. And so if I click here, if I begin to engage with the form, which is exactly what Riverbend Windows wants me to do, I hit Windows here and then I hit Next, the URL has not changed. So no page has been fired. No hit has transpired by default. Um, And yet I have done an amazing thing. I have started to engage with the form that has economic value for this organization. And by default, Google Analytics 4 works on an event-based system. What I just did by hitting that next button here, what I just did is I fired an event. The hitting of the button is an event but it's not a page view hit. So that is something to love about GA4 is that by default, all events are tracked. Take a look at this. What if I'm on this page and I go to the trouble of coming all the way down here, reading, 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 all the way down. Does that have value to the organization? Absolutely. I'm engaging with the content. I'm engaging with the brand because I'm scrolling all the way through this amazing content. A scroll is now an event. That that action was never trackable in the original version of, of analytics by default. So the average user would never know whether people were, were doing this, but it is trackable in GA4. So from that perspective, there's a lot to love because it is more robust in their ability to track um, events by, de- by, by default, events that don't fire 
the JavaScript. So if I start to watch a video, for example, that's tracked automatically. If I click on a link to an external website, that's tracked. Uh, all kinds, download a PDF, all kinds of things that were not trackable by default in the original version are now um, in the new version. So Liz, I, I got to yeah. tell you, sorry, like this is, first of all, great overview. If you're watching this right now and you're one of our customers or you're using digital marketing, I can tell you as a marketer, it's difficult for us to measure engagement as Liz was showing there on someone coming into a conversion form or whatever. And Liz didn't complete the form, mm -hmm. but uh, which we can tell only when someone completes a form. Now you can see more of kind of the user uh, what journey. they're doing that would yeah, give journey. you a user journey. Exactly. And the second thing, when you showed there, like coming down the page, scrolling down, you know, there's technologies that we've deployed, like heat mapping, for example, that shows where people are on the page most often. It looks almost like a, a weather map, for lack of a better, if you to, to envision it's red here, a lot of people go here. But this, I, I really like that ability to see the event stuff, Liz. And then secondly, where they're they're actually looking on the page. You can't see that now in Google Analytics. That's right. And That's the right. time, the time spent, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the time spent is going to be a much more accurate picture now, as in before, because again, when you're operating with a hit-based system, you, you are forced to look at page views only as your events. And so if I fire, you know, like, for example, let's go back um, to this site here. So let's say I fire this page and then I fire the next page, the door replacement London page, and then I fire the Windows page. I fired three pages. The old original version of analytics can only by default only takes the timestamp of the first fire and the third fire and takes the differential between the two to come up with your average time on site, mm -hmm. whereas I might spend five minutes on my last page, but because it's my last page, there is no fourth timestamp to, to, to appreciate that five minutes. Right. But when you're dealing with an event-based system where things like scrolling can be tracked and clicks to videos can be tracked and, and all kinds of other things can be tracked, then you can more accurately put that fourth timestamp to get a true view of somebody's journey on your website that, that is not reliant on a, a, a simply a page view. Because as we know, there's so much more to do on a website than simply firing pages, especially mm -hmm. on a mobile device. Mm -hmm. And haven't you noticed that a lot of websites, you know, put a lot of content on just one page. And so we'll not necessarily appreciate their journey if they're not firing a second page. And yet they could have been completely satisfied with their visit and have done amazing things that have economic value to you that have, were not recognized because they didn't fire that second page. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are lamenting the disappearance of everyone's, you know, favorite metric bounce rate. But if you if you think about our our recent conversation here, you might realize that, ah, maybe bounce rate is overrated because the definition of bounce rate is a single page visit. Mm -hmm. So I land on this page. Let's say that you ran an advertisement for double hung windows and this is your landing page. And I come down here 
and I might hit this message us now, granted, this takes us to contact pay, but let's say you had a pop-up window for a chat. Let's say you had a form here, none of which fired a second page. I could have had an amazing journey on your, on this one page. And yet I still would have been registered as a bounce in analytics because I didn't fire a second page. Right. I'm a one page visitor, a very happy one and one that mm-hmm. you know did awesome things, but I'm still a bounce. And so you, you might lament the disappearance of bounce, but don't because I, I think that in today's day and age and all of the wonderful things you can do on a site without firing a second page. It, it's not the right metric to be using anymore. It had its time and place, but but maybe not. Thanks for um, sharing that, Liz, because yeah. a lot of our customers say, hey, my bounce rate's at 60% or my bounce rate's at 40% seems high. And I think they don't understand, like you're saying, the, we're, we're setting up more strategic landing pages on sites right now that are a specific message that comes off the email or social. And for that reason, they may not bang around, but they're a satisfied visitor, we'll call it. And yet the bounce rate only indicates they visited one page. So thank you for clarifying that. I think it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so in the absence of bounce then, and one of my recommendations at the end of this presentation, in the absence of bounce then, we need to redefine our metrics of success. Well, how is it that we are measuring success on the website? And we need to ensure that those um, measurements are set up properly and they are turned into conversions. And we'll talk about that more um, in a minute. So the third thing um, that uh, you wanted me to talk about was the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the difference, so I've talked about the difference from Google's perspective, but the difference that you and I care about um, and, and the average user is obviously the interface and like how monumental of a shift it is. And if you really start to dig into it, it, it really is quite big um, in terms of the way um the metrics are laid out the metrics themselves we've shifted over and inst- again instead of bounce rate google has replaced that with something called engagement rate and again you might look at that and you might think oh that's that's my new fave but again you've got to understand how engagement rate is now tallied in order to be considered an engaged user you have to have done one of three things the first one is you have to have had the website or um, mobile app in focus for at least 10 seconds. So there can not, not be something covering it. Um, you, you can't, it can't be in the background of your phone to be in focus. It has to be in focus for at least 10 seconds. You have to have, um, or if you fire two pages, you're engaged, or if you fire an event that's been defined as a conversion. So for example, if I fill in a form and that form fill-in has been defined as a conversion in the admin platform, then you will be considered to be engaged. So again, don't just look at this column and say to yourself, that's my new um, you know, opposite of bounce rate, because it, it, it might not be, depending on how you, your organization, defines success and a good website visitor versus a poor website visitor. Um, It's not, I would say for most organizations, it's not representative of success. Instead, what you want to focus on is you want to focus on your events and then 
turning those events into conversions. So there's some events that are tracked by default in the system. Um, and but it's very easy to create new events now because they're, you know, a, no coding required. We used to have to put a little bit of extra JavaScript in the HTML. No coding required now. It's all done through the Google Tag Manager interface. Anything you want to track, any click, any scroll, anything is possible now. But once you get your list of events that you want to track, you need to go through that list and say, okay, which ones have economic value to me? And, and certainly a purchase has economic value, a form fill-in does. But you also might say to yourself, yeah, you know, if somebody views a key page on my website, that's got economic value because I don't, I don't have to send them a direct mailer anymore, which would have cost me thousands of dollars to reach my target audience or, or whatever. You take your set of events um, and you turn those into um, conversions. And then your conversion rate is, is really what you should be using as your um, success metric, as opposed to an engagement rate or bounce or what have you. So you can see that the interface has changed. You can see that the metrics has changed, have changed. Even the menus have changed over here. Um, things are harder to find. They're in a different place. Um, some, you know, our, uh, you know, if we go down to, you know, my students are studying um, pages and screens right now, which shows you which is the content on your website. I'll just flip over to page path, which is the content on your website that is viewed with most frequency. Um, some of the metrics that you're accustomed to seeing like landing page information and exit rate. So for example, which pages on our website are most often the last viewed in a session? All that stuff was default in the old version of Amazon analytics. It's all disappeared on, on the default screens. So these are your default pre-configured um, reports. But what I want to point out to everyone, if, if there is a question that you need answered that the default report will not answer for you, you simply come over to this button here called Explore, and you can create a free-form report of your choosing. You can answer any single question and you can get bounce rate back if you want. Just know that it's defined differently today than it used to be. It is 100% minus your engagement rate, but you, you can do anything you want in a free form report, answer any question that you have. So, so don't look at the standard reports and think, ah, I needed this and it's not there anymore. Don't worry. You can create it yourself with a free form report. Um, and they're very powerful and it's actually looks complicated, but it's not. It's really easy to use. You need to get it going. You need one dimension and one metric. And a dimension is the way in which you slice your data. So for example, in this report here, we're slicing our data across city. So we're seeing all of our results at the city level. And then a metric is how, how do you want to measure that group of users? Do you want to see how many active users do you have? You have? Do you want to see your conversion rate? Do you want to see your um, engagement rate? Whatever. One dimension, one metric and you've got yourself a free form custom report. So and you can the, customize the yeah. report, sorry, Liz, the way you want to view it. And because uh, different customers want to look at different things. Now, 
On your last uh, view there, you had some financial numbers and someone may be looking at it right now going, hey, does that mean I have to have e-com on my site? Or like, how did you come up with, or how does GA4 present those financial numbers on the uh yeah. So the account that I'm looking at right now is an analytics account that is available for free to anybody in the world. Google makes available their Google merchandise store data. So if you want to buy any merch, uh, Google merch, t-shirts, <laughs> pens, whatever, you go to the Google e-commerce store. Well, Google has released all of the analytics data to, to everyone in the world for learning purposes. Um, so that's the account that we're looking at right now. We're not looking at anybody's private uh, information. Um, but do you need to be an e-commerce shop in order to take full advantage of Google Analytics? Absolutely not. The vast majority of websites don't sell anything on them. Can you still glean important data? Absolutely. But to do that, you need to define success and turn that success into a conversion, whatever that looks like for your organization. But yeah, Rick, free form reports are the way to go. But as I tell my students, never get into the interface without a question. Uh, you you have to have a question in mind, and then you use the data to answer that question. If you just get in there and start clicking around, you know, you can burn hours and get nowhere. Um, come with pointed questions. You know, as you're walking through this, uh, I think some people are still learning, you know, the old Google Analytics or the current <laughs> one. And now you're whizzing us through a bunch of screens here that I can tell you, even our uh, astute um certified digital marketing team are looking at this thing going, hey, there's no way my end user could could understand all this or set it up. And so if I might ask, do you recommend that if someone is looking for analytics on their website, that they have a little bit of coaching to set up these, you know, these forms and, and set it all up for them? Or do you think based on your knowledge, because you're probably the most advanced we've talked to on this, is this something that someone could do on their own, do you think, do the conversion, or do you think they need help? And I'm genuinely asking that. I'm not trying to seek business for us or another agency, but it's more than I think just plug and play from what I'm seeing. Yeah. No, I absolutely 100% believe that um, every organization should get help in the deployment of, of GA4 and also in the definition of what is a conversion and also in the setting up of the reports that are going to answer the questions that you need. You, you know, you, you you're, you might be a riverbend. You're busy installing doors and windows. You're a dentist. You're a massage therapist. Like you run your business. You are the thousand things on your plate related to the business that you are operating. And web analytics uh, does not necessarily fall in that to-do list. You just simply do not have the time to figure it out. So it's worth every penny to hire somebody to help get you started and to help you get value from these reports. You can pull reports until you're blue in the face, but if they if they are not actionable, if they do not tell a story to which there is a conclusion and an implication, then they are useless mm -hmm. um, and they are a waste of time. So a professional organization will help you not waste your time. Mm -hmm. I just find there's so much data in these things and our customers, to be honest, very competent business people. They just gloss over at all these fields. And what we try to do is just in layman terms, explain again, like you're saying, what's most relevant to that business leader, because it may even shift from owner to marketing person, to sales rep, to uh, mm -hmm. you know, whoever. Um, but uh, 
I, I just think this thing's more complex than what, you know, than just, you know, upgrading your software. This is a more, and this is why we wanted to have you on is to, you know, wave a couple flags saying, hey, June 2023 is going to come pretty quick. They'll they'll let you keep the library book until the end of the year, but at that point, it's gone all your data. Now, one thing, sir, I didn't ask: Does your data migrate historical data from Google, from the Google Analytics we know now? Like, is there a migration opportunity, or do you literally lose it all historical once you cut over? That's a great question, Rick. I've been doing some reading about: Is it possible? And I think definitely not easy definitely not a button that you push because again remember both systems operate very differently one's session based and one's uh, event based yeah. so it's it's not it's not an easy port over is there some kind of technology that exists out there that would allow for some um, import? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, I, I I know there is. I, I can't tell you yeah. how, why, is it expensive, what have you. But all I can say is not a push of a button and yeah. it's it's not right. a, wouldn't be an easy thing. Okay. Yeah. So just to, to wrap up here, um, I think, you know, the last thing, we talked about um, what we like and what we don't like already, but just the last thing we wanted to take a look at was some suggestions to leave you as sort of a little action item um, to, to remind you, you want to be running both in tandem with one another. Uh, you want to um, hire somebody to help you ensure that you're tracking the right events and turning those into conversions. You also want to work with a professional to ensure that all of your advertising URLs are tagged. So for example, if you're running an email campaign or if you're running a social media campaign, that when you put that landing page in into the ad, it's not just uh, you know rick.com. It's rick.com with a little bit of script at the end of it that's going to allow Google Analytics to, to tell you, okay, the ad with the purple shirt performed this way. The ad with the red shirt performed this way. It's actually a very easy thing to do, but but um, Google Analytics has the power to distinguish between versions of ads and platforms of ads so that you can see exactly what has transpired. And the other beautiful thing about analytics, the new version of analytics that I haven't mentioned yet, is they are using so much machine learning. They have amassed so much technology in the last 20 years that now... They've moved away from a last click attribution um, system. That sounds complicated, it's not. Today in a user journey, I might need to have a touch point with your brand five times before I pull out my wallet. By default, the Universal Analytics platform gives 100% of the credit of my wallet to the last way in which I accessed your website. So if I came to your website from Twitter and then Facebook and then Instagram and then organic search, and then I pulled out my wallet and spent something, organic search gets all the glory. They get all the credit for that spend. But I wouldn't even have known about you had it not been for your original ad on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Today, the default attribution system is different in, in GA4. It is a, a cross, um, cross-platform system that predicts, like it, 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 you can see those four channels, and then it will predict the degree to which each of those channels influenced my decision to pull out my wallet. Wow. So, so now everybody's getting the credit that they deserve. You know, you would never play a hockey game and then give all the credit to the goal scorer and, and ignore the assisters 
well, that's what we've been doing all these years. Well, now we we're might not do that doing in the leagues. I, we might do that. <laughs> I play with a couple professors over there. They don't mind the glory if they get the last one. But if they're watching right now, you know who you are. Uh, but uh, so I'll tell you why that's great. Because if you're a, a company right now and you're doing digital marketing and you're like, why am I doing social media? All my leads, quote unquote, are coming from you know direct traffic. Uh, you know, we try to explain to customers the difference between demand generation sometimes and lead generation. Yes. So demand is the awareness consideration rate phase, we'll call it. But what's nice is, as you said, you'll get points, if you want to call it, for where that customer journey has has led them uh, along the way. I really like that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then my last message to everyone I don't know, you're going to love it, like it, or just plain accept it. We have no choice. So. Let's do this. Now you, <laughs> sound like, to now you sound like my mother. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. As we said before the show started, right? People don't like change. <laughs> However, I love how you found all of the really, really key things with the new platform. And I think it's fantastic. So Liz, thank you for the lesson there. I know I learned a lot. The um, the, the flags for me, June, 2023, Liz mentioned, and this is when, um, you you have to convert over. You can sounds like you can live on your current Google Analytics account until December. But so what is June twenty twenty three effectively like? Is that data will no longer be uh, collected in the original version of Analytics? So okay. you're not going to see any more page views there. You'll still have access to your historical data, as you right. say, until December twenty twenty three, and then that's going to go away. Okay. Yeah. So I know we're starting to talk as an agency with our customers about the conversion. Uh, certainly, you know, we like to be competent in what we're doing, which is one of the exercises we're doing with you today. But if you're a business leader, a marketing leader, and you haven't heard of this GA4, Google Analytics 4, just put it on your roadmap for 2023 because, um, you know, you need to be making data-driven decisions, I think, anyway, when it comes to marketing, to support sales or whatever. And that's why we wanted Liz to come on today. So thanks for uh, showing us the user interface, you know, discussing kind of event versus hit-based, because I think hit-based is kind of, it's old school, and uh, it really is hard to define to a customer, like hits here and hits there. And I think Google's done a great job. And as you said, like through AI or machine learning or whatever, this thing is going to for sure continue to grow and improve. But Liz, it, you know, uh, we, we um, let's say I'm a business and I have no idea what the heck you just talked about and uh, I need some help. I know you folks at the college often will work with, you know, select companies uh, to help them kind of get up and going. Uh, people that may not want to engage an agency like us or whatever, but, you know, maybe you could speak quickly to that type of program that you offer. Absolutely. You know, as, as I said, when we started at the community college level, we learn by doing and we can't do that without our community partners and organizations that bring us their real live projects. And that's how our students learn. So in the event that you would like some help with analytics and or digital advertising, we have programs in place that would love to work with you. So reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to give you some more information. You can find me at Liz Gray. And I, I think that my URL is uh, Fanshawe Google girl so that might be a way to, <laughs> to search me on uh on LinkedIn. hence you're repping the fanshawe google girl uh <laughs> swag today well, liz uh, you know if you're a fanshawe student i sure hope you're proud of uh you know attending that school the kinlan uh school there 
a business. I, I, I'm proud to be a, a partner with you folks. I know our team is, and we've got some great um, talent on our team that came through your program. So I just want to thank you for that and uh, very much for coming on today. Uh, you're one of the, the best uh, I, I know in this industry and um, you know, you're coaching tomorrow's future stars on this topic. So it's great to get it right from, you know, the incubator where it's all born. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for coaching us today. And I'll, I'll send you my uh, test results later. And <laughs> past. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, thanks very much for joining us today, Liz. I learned thanks. so much today. Thank you so much. And we'll see everybody next week on this marketing show. Bye everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of this marketing show. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, share, and subscribe to get the latest B2B insights to help you market and sell to win.